Cyril John, known as John, was my grandfather until he passed away a few years ago. He was a preacher man, and so, as I seek to read, explain, wrestle with scripture on this podcast, I also seek to raise a glass to honour the memory and the legends that is CJG, my grandfather. Hi everybody, my name is Darren, and welcome to the Dazcast, grandson of a preacher man, where we'll be exploring the Bible and interviewing some of the unsung heroes of the Christian faith. I hope this inspires you to know Jesus Christ and to make him known, to live the wonderful life that Jesus calls us to live, that no doubt will lead us into all sorts of adventure and into all sorts of trouble. Good evening saints, or good afternoon, or good morning, depending on where you are in the world, or at what time you are listening to the Dazcast, grandson of a preacher man. We continue our journey through the letter to the church in Corinth, written by Paul around AD 50 to AD 51. Whilst we call this letter 1 Corinthians, it is actually Paul's second letter to them. And in this letter, he is dealing with all sorts of questions that they're asking and actually being pretty challenging to them in terms of the way that they are living. The first four chapters deal with the issue of status and Paul reminds them in chapter one that they are called to be God's holy people, set apart to partner with Jesus Christ in bringing about the so-called weak and foolish kingdom of heaven to earth to each and every situation in the here and the now and as we do this Paul reminds them and he reminds us that it is God's mission our job is to get out of God's way and to simply observe where he is at work and to simply join in and so if we are to partner with God and if we are to simply get out of God's way then what is the job of the church and so Paul makes it very clear in chapter 3 that the job of the church is to serve. And now we pick up from that point in chapter 4 today, which continues this theme of partnership and of service, and develops that into what that service might look like for us. And so I want to pick out this verse tonight. It's verse 20 that says this, For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. The church in Corinth, it might be said, was all talk and no power. They had, in the eyes of the world, all manner of resources available to them. They were strong socially, economically and culturally, but they had not fully grasped the upside-down, inside-out, topsy-turvy nature of God's kingdom. They had started to display, they had not started to display the fruit of the Spirit, which we read about in Paul's letter to the churches in Galatia. The fruit of the Spirit is an output of God's grace and by living in the Spirit. Paul's charge to the Corinthian church was that they were living out of their own grace, their own strength, their own wisdom, fashioned, perhaps understandably, by the world and all that the world had incorrectly taught them. No, that is a kingdom of talk. And Paul says that the God's kingdom is founded in the very power of God himself, where his weakness is stronger than our strength. 
Service then in God's kingdom is not empty words, but rather as a result of being drenched, immersed, utterly transformed, renewed and powered by God's very own self. And from a knowledge of God's grace. As we discussed in Galatians, we can't earn God's grace, we can't work for it, but oh, when we receive God's power and God's grace, grace gets to work. We can't work for grace, but grace works. Grace works in our lives and grace works through our lives in the communities that we serve. We can't work for grace, but grace works. And Paul outlines in this chapter that when God's grace gets to work in our service, looks like dedication. Dedication to Christ, as Paul says. Our service to him, even our slavery to Jesus, will cause us to look like fools, to be ridiculed, to go hungry and thirsty. Being a slave of Christ, being a servant, being dedicated to him, will cause us to experience poverty and persecution. To serve is to work wearily with our own hands, to bless those who curse us, to be patient with those who abuse us, to appeal gently when evil things are said about us. It is to be prepared to be treated like rubbish. Saints, following Jesus Christ isn't about church services, and I know that many of us want to get back to all of that once lockdown is fully lifted. And that's part of our service, of course, and I'm not seeking to diminish our Sunday worship together. But our corporate worship is best displayed in the practical service of Jesus Christ in the world. On Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday, and yes, even on Sunday too. It's service that is worship. It is worship that should be costly. If it isn't costly, it might not stand up to much heat in the refiner's fire that we read about in chapter 3. Service. That's where the rubber hits the road. As you know, I call this podcast the Dazcast grandson of a preacher man. My grandfather, for me, was a man, and so was my nanny, committed to the service of Jesus Christ. My grandfather had counted the cost and follow Jesus anyway. A number of things, but let me draw out a few points from his life that I remember. He was a conscientious objector because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He didn't bow to the peer pressure of the unions, even when they uh, put horrible stuff in his car uh, to put pressure on him because of his faith in Jesus Christ. He decided because of his faith in Jesus Christ that for him and his family he would refrain from TV and going to pubs. He took the opportunity to preach the good news of Jesus on street corners and frankly at any public opportunity presented to him and he risked his own freedom when smuggling Bibles into Yugoslavia. In the eyes of the world my grandfather might have been described as weak and foolish, but for both of my grandparents, and my parents too, they have experienced the grace of God in their lives. They counted the cost and they followed Jesus anyway. And quite frankly, they did not care what the world 
had to say. Saints, that's what we are called to, a life in service to Jesus Christ, where frankly, if we use the metrics of the world to measure our, our success, then we will be utter failures. We will be fools. But, as Paul says at the start of this chapter, as for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated. And then he goes on to say this, it is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. That was the case for my grandparents, where they basically said the same thing. As for me, I don't care what the world says, I'm living for Jesus. He will examine me and he will decide and I'm prepared to risk it all in service of him. And we are too to do that saints, we're to serve. We don't care what the world might think of us, that's neither here nor there. All that matters is Jesus Christ. He will examine whether our service has been fruitful and that saints is all that matters. So saints, as we come to read 1 Corinthians chapter 4 together, let's keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Let's stand firm and let us know his overwhelming grace and power in our lives so that we can go out in peace to love and serve the world that we live and work in. So let's pray along those lines now as we read 1 Corinthians chapter 4 together. So look at Apollos and me as mere servants of Christ, who have been put in charge of explaining God's mysteries. Now a person who is put in charge as a manager must be faithful. As for me, it matters very little how I might be evaluated by you or by any human authority. I don't even trust my own judgment on this point. My conscience is clear, but that doesn't prove I'm right. It is the Lord himself who will examine me and decide. So don't make judgments about anyone ahead of time before the Lord returns, for he will bring our darkest secrets to light and will reveal our private motives. Then God will give to each one whatever praise is due. Dear brothers and sisters, I have used Apollos and myself to illustrate what I have been saying. If you pay attention to what I have quoted from the scriptures, you won't be proud of one of your leaders at the expense of another. For what gives you the right to make such a judgment? What do you have that God hasn't given you? And if everything you have is from God, why boast as though it were not a gift? You think you already have everything you need. You think you are already rich. You have begun to reign in God's kingdom without us. I wish you really were reigning already, for then we would be reigning with you. Instead, I sometimes think God has put us apostles on display like prisoners of war at the end of a victor's parade, condemned to die. We have become a spectacle to the entire world, to people and angels alike. Our dedication to Christ makes us look like fools, but you claim to be so wise in Christ. We are weak, but you are so powerful. You are honoured, but we are ridiculed. Even now we go hungry and thirsty, and we don't have enough clothes to keep us warm. We are often beaten and have no home. We work wearily with our own hands to earn our living. We bless those who curse us. We are patient with those who abuse us. We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet... We are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash, right up to the present moment. I am not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. 
for even if you had 10,000 others to teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. For I became your father in Christ Jesus when I preached the good news to you. So I urge you to imitate me. That's why I have sent Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He reminds you of how I follow Christ Jesus, just as I teach in all the churches wherever I go. Some of you have become arrogant, thinking I will not visit you again, but I will come, and soon, if the Lord lets me, and then I'll find out whether they, these arrogant people just give pretentious speeches or whether they really have God's power. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk, it is living by God's power. Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and a gentle spirit? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, there you go, Saints. I mean, Paul finishes with an absolute shocker there, doesn't he? I mean, talk about... Um, uh, I mean, if you applied this logic in the workplace, you'd soon be sacked, wouldn't you? What should, Which do you choose? Should I come with a rod to punish you, or should I come with love and gentle spirit? Well, Saints, I'll... I'm certainly not saying that to you or to myself, but uh, let's consider our own lives and let's um, let's choose to serve God and that service of um, Jesus Christ, uh, service to him, uh, will cause us to look like fools in the eyes of the world. Uh, it, for some of us, might lead to persecution and isolation and all sorts of risk, but I absolutely promise you that following Jesus, or be, although it is costly, it is the absolute, uh, re- uh, the greatest of rewards. It is, as Bonhoeffer describes, the pearl of great price. So I'll leave it there, saints. Let's um, catch up next time for 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5. Grace and peace. You've been listening to the Dazcast, grandson of a preacher man, where we seek to read, explain and wrestle with scripture and hear from some of the unsung heroes of the faith. If you've enjoyed listening to the Dazcast, then don't forget to like, share and subscribe whatever podcast platform you are listening on. And as ever, stay tuned for future episodes. So saints, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ. Amen.